thank you for listening to The Pain of the Claim, your source for prescription strength claim relief. And now, your hosts, Jeremy and Donna Lavelle. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Pain of the Claim Presents, and I am so excited about the guest that we have, um, the contractor coach, Mr. Jim Johnson. Jim, how are you doing today, man? It is so, I am so excited to talk to you and uh, have our listeners get to kind of peer into all of the awesome sort of perspective that you have on this entire um, industry. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to be here, man. Thanks for asking me. Uh, I got to meet you guys a few weeks ago and had a blast at that event and uh, looking forward to our conversation today. Whatever I can do to help contractors and this industry in general uh, be a little bit better at what they do, uh, that's kind of my, my purpose in life. I just want to, I kind of want to start with the thing that's been rolling around in my head since we parted ways there on the evening of the third. I mean, I realized a lot about you sort of during your talk. But you are very much motivated, and driven's a bad word. I don't want to use driven. You're directed heavily by your faith. And how did that? How did you work that in into an industry that is, for lack of a better term, let's go with blue collar. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and and sort of the the viewpoints of a lot a lot of the people that work in the industry. How did how did you figure out a way to work that in and still maintain the relevance clearly that you have to offer everyone? Uh, I'm gonna sound like one of those guys after a football game here. Uh, I didn't do anything. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that God does what God does, and I had an experience. Boy, it's 20 years ago now, at least, um, where something pretty poor happened to me. I trusted a partner too much that happened to be our uh, accounting side of the business, and uh, they absconded with about $585,000 uh, from our business. We were facing bankruptcy and partnership um, dissolution and all these other things. My best friend that I had recruited into the industry even after proving to him that they had stolen money, decided to go into business with them to start their own. And I'm sitting here like, what is going on? I'm sitting on the you know, front steps of my really nice home, western Wisconsin, with all the stuff. I got cars and boats and ATVs and hunting stuff and just really kind of thought I had it by the tail, I guess. And uh, I, the reality is I'm sitting there in tears on my front porch trying to figure out what to do and uh, had a God moment who I hadn't really relied on a whole lot up until that point, and it's, which, tends to be, which tends to be the situation for a lot of us. We wait till it gets bad before we go, hey, God, give us a hand and uh, prayed about it. And uh, it's not like – I don't know how it is for everybody else, but for me it's just like something resonates inside of me. It's not like I hear the voice of God going, Jim, do this thing, right? Like it's, hey – um, right. it's, it's more something that's resonating that it doesn't feel right what's going on. So do this, which is the opposite. And, uh, the only thing that was like sticking with me was serve. Like this word kept resonating in me, which wasn't who I was really. I thought everybody else served me. Everybody was like a dollar sign. Every salesperson meant a certain amount of money. Um, all of my people had certain metrics and stuff. And all I cared about was that. And it was really, you know, kind of this, thing to glorify Jim, to be honest with you. Like, hey, I created this big, huge business, and we were doing great. And 
all that stuff. And sure enough, things got torn down around me. And uh, that day I decided I'm going to follow that. And I walked into the office the next day and I looked at my uh, front desk gal and I said, hey, Ann, um, how can I help you today? What can I do to make a job easier? And she looked at me like I had grown a horn out of my head or something. <laughs> I was not used to anything like that. She went on vacation immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was like, oh boy, what is going on? I, this guy has jumped off the deep end after everything else that's going on. And uh, no, and people didn't really take to it right away like because I had been one way so long, hard driving, super competitive, we're going to win, just uber intense. And if you weren't producing, you were gone. Um, and really no remorse about it or empathy about it, just it was the way things were. And uh, so that changed for me that day. And ever since, um, even when it hurts, like to the point of giving when it hurts, uh, you, I can remember a time shortly after that where my wife and I didn't have much and um, there was somebody that needed 200 bucks and 200 bucks meant something to us at that point. And I went, we got to give it. We're being asked, we got to give it. And she was like, well, <laughs> we can't afford to give it. And uh, we did anyway, and the blessings have come back. I just believe, like, if you're good to people, I mean, the basis of the Bible is be good to others, and good things will happen to you, and I'm kind of proof of that. And that's not why I do it, though. Um, that's not the purpose is to get anything back. The purpose is that's what I'm asked to do. I'm asked to be good to others. All right, that's what I'm going to do. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid— my dad, my dad, who is a, who is a Marine, and uh, he was out of the Marine Corps by the time I was born, but he's a Vietnam veteran, um, would ask me to do various tasks, some more complicated than others, some as simple as Jeremy changed the television, because yes, I was born before remote controls. <laughs> and so um, sometimes my job was to get up and change the television, you know, or hold the co coat hanger and the tinfoil just that way so he could finish watching Kaki and Lacey, or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> but he would often ask me to do something, and there would be a delay and uh, I was kind of waiting on, uh, I guess in my own head, I knew that I was going to have to get up and do it. I knew that that was going to be a requirement, all in and all done. But I would delay on it. And so he would stand up, and then I would move. And I learned in that lesson that there is a difference between self-preservation and obedience. And the difference between self-preservation and obedience is the consequence. Obedience comes with a consequence of blessing, whereas self-preservation carries with it the consequence, the same consequence of disobedience. So you may be thinking that you're going to mitigate things, but you're really not. And so obedience is sort of your, your understanding is not a prerequisite for obedience. And when it doesn't make sense to give $200, you still have to stand in a place of obedience because that's what makes it work. And that's just my own sort of personal perspective and how I was raised. Now, obviously, at some level, um, I will be transparent enough to say that I was raised in the church. I was uh, um, and not just I had a drug problem when I was a kid because they drug me to church every chance they got. So. <laughs> I got to remember that one. That's a good line. 
Um, um, you know, we were the, we were the first ones through the door and the last ones with the set of keys to lock the place up. Um, my dad was also a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor that was on my mom's side. And so I was pretty much saturated and immersed in this, this direction of thinking. And the reason I ask you the first question is how you assimilated that is, is because, and, and your answer is, is that you didn't. That is really kind of the idea that I would, that was really the best answer that I could have asked for. It's sort of like you're out there with a level of genuineness of this is just how I respond to the world. This is my worldview. This is how I see things. Now, you must have at some point in time come up against some opposition or thought that or somebody had divulged to you that they thought that that was silly or it didn't really make any difference. And how do you emotionally process sort of that level of criticism if it happened to you at all? You know, it's it's funny that you say that. Like this industry, I would say, isn't known for that's uh, unabounded faith orientation out loud and like planting a flag, right? Um, about that. And it's not anything that was like this plan or that I was going to do like these things to lead to that thing. It's more like God presented these opportunities to have a conversation. And I think a lot of that has to do with just kind of how I go about being who I am. Um, those opportunities present themselves and then there's another nudge and then there's another nudge and, um, it becomes more and more comfortable. I've never had anybody really give me any opposition to it. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't people that aren't attracted to it. They just don't come into my um, universe. You know, hey, that's not a thing for me, so I'm just not going to be a part of that guy's world. Well, that's okay. I'm, I'm not begging you to be. Um, it's something that I think more of us need to understand. We all have a voice, right? Um, and we're imbued with a uniqueness that God gives each one of us, and that gives us a voice which gives us a measure, a group of people that our voice speaks to because it's the right time and the right place for whatever their need may be. And so every one of us has this group of people that are our measure. I'm good with that number of people. Whether it's a small number or a big number, God's going to be in control of all that. Um, I'm just supposed to use this uniqueness that is me to uh, follow the way, which is the way I look at it, um, that leads to you know knowing that God is he's our father. Like That's kind of the way I look at him. He's my dad, and I don't want to disappoint him, and I don't do that necessarily out of fear, um, although that does play a bit of a part. I do it because he loves me, and he's proven it, and I love him for it, so... I, I know that sounds weird, and it's probably like there's people listening to this right now that just went, what, man, who is this guy? I don't want anything more to do with them, and that's okay. I'm not your guy at the right time in the right place. But something I say today may be a nudge for you that the right person at the right time does come into your world, and it builds upon it, and uh, maybe you find that thing too because it's kind of nice. It's not, not a bad way to live. Well, I, you said something to me back when we were we were standing there at the end of the night, and you said something you said something to me that I found really really interesting, and it's a delineation that I had not thought of, and I just want you to share this with our listeners. What is the difference between a teacher and a coach? And I'll qualify. <laughs> 
I'll qualify this is because I had never really, I mean, cause there's the old joke, those who can't do teach and those who can't teach coach. Um, and so, uh, I, I kind of wonder sort of, uh, there is a, there is a definite difference between those things. And I just kind of want everybody to hear sort of your take on the difference between those two things. Cause it's really, it's really quite thought provoking. So what is the difference between a teacher and a coach? A, a teacher is somebody who imparts knowledge to you, okay? So but just use the, the example of being back in school. You had teachers, right? We had all kinds of teachers. Um, and, the, and don't get me wrong, teaching is extremely valuable. As a matter of fact, I'm married to one, so if I said anything other than that, I would be in big trouble. Um, but they have a curriculum to follow. Uh, they are to impart knowledge to you, and they're supposed to test you on that knowledge to ascertain whether you have gotten the knowledge or not gotten the knowledge. And then it's kind of on to the next teacher and the next teacher. Where a coach is a little bit different. The, the coach uh, obviously is going to do some similar things to a teacher. They're going to impart some fundamentals to you. You're going to uh, work on those fundamentals to build skill in that area. But then he's going to do something a little bit different and go beyond what a teacher would normally do. Um, which is to reinforce those skills often by making you actually do them. Like he makes you do them over and over and over again to the point of mastering them, all with a strategy behind it of achieving something. Like we're going to win a state championship or we're going to win the conference or we're going to win the Super Bowl or we're going to win this business thing that we're in or we're going to win at life. And that's why you have life coaches and business coaches and sports coaches that they're there to take the fundamentals improve your skill in those, share some new tactics with you and some new skills with you, develop a strategy around this knowledge that you have to help you progress or reach your fullest potential um, in whatever it is that you're after, no matter what kind of coach you have. So that would be the difference to me. Teachers impart knowledge and test you on whether you have gotten that knowledge. Coaches are more in a guiding aspect to make sure that you've mastered that knowledge and that you can apply it. I've, I've noticed like more with coaches that they, they reach you where you are. Like when, when I hear some of Jeremy's coaching sessions, he's like, what, what do you want to work on? Where are you at? And then he reaches them wherever, wherever they are and where they want to start. Do you, do you find that to be the, to be the same? It's, it's funny that you say that because we often talk about our coaching being custom because everybody's at a different place. A guy that's a $500,000 contractor has absolutely completely different needs than a guy that's a $10 million contractor. They've got different situations they're dealing with. And if you don't have a coach that has some experience with that, either he's done it or he's proven that he could do it for somebody else. And that, that whole thing that you said earlier, those who, don't, uh, those who can't do teach and those who can't teach coach, well, that thing drives me insane that anybody would ever say that. I don't right. remember uh, Nick Saban ever being some famous football player. I don't ever remember, uh, you know, um, oh, how am I missing his name? Uh, coach for the um, 49ers, uh, Seifert, and before Seifert was Walsh. Wow. Oh, yeah, Walsh, Bill Walsh. None of them yeah. were like famous football players on championship teams or anything like that, but they sure did a great job of coaching everybody else to do that. And the one that really will drive you insane is a guy named Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell was a division two average to less than average football coach. 
who became the coach of Google, Apple, and Microsoft. All three. He's called the Trillion Dollar Coach. So don't get caught up in that myth that just because somebody's a coach can't help you. What I would say is to make sure they've proven it. That's the key. Make sure they've proven that they can do what it is that they say they can do by the results that you see from others that they serve that need what that have done what you need to do or that they've done it themselves and they've proven they can do it. But that isn't necessarily a fit either because that's them teaching you to do it the way they did it, not necessarily coaching you on a strategy to do it the way you need to do it. Yeah. While I completely agree with your perspective, I have an expanse on that as I think about um, being an athlete myself. I played football. I was in the sport of wakeboarding. Um, and I will tell you all of the greatest talent that we look at, you know, and I mean, insert famous athletes name, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, um, you know, Roger Staubach. You know what I'm saying? Every single one of them. Their entire life was coached, every single one of them. And so, you know, it certainly, I'm not saying it's a guarantee to greatness, but it is certainly an ingredient. And well, it, it and, speeds up the process. It, it, that, that's right. the thing. Like, somebody has gone through this experience before you. Why in the world would you go out there and beat your head with this school of hard knocks, fail forward thing if the plan is already in existence and you can get there faster? Like the only time you should ever fail forward is if you're doing something new, innovative, and creative that nobody's done before. Sure. I, I, would, I would also say that a coach has to possess the ability to fully understand the knowledge that has been imparted to the point that they show them how to use that knowledge as a tool and put it in motion, thereby creating a level of wisdom in action at that point in time. So knowledge, wisdom is knowledge in action, in my opinion. And so when you can take it and it becomes something other than this preconceived sort of, you know, we do it this way so that these results are achieved but we also do it this way because it 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 streamlines whatever process that we're trying to do. Look, the most difficult thing to do and go ahead. I, I No, no, go ahead. No, most difficult thing you got to do. Go ahead. Most difficult thing to do. I I mean, well, in sports, I mean, often people say it's to hit a baseball, and I say that that is not the most difficult thing to do in sports. The most difficult thing to do in sports is to go into halftime of the Super Bowl losing, knowing that you have to change everything that you've done that got you there. And that, I mean, when we have to change paradigms like that, that we know have worked in the past, but realizing that this is a new day, this is a different situation. This is a new challenge, and we have to achieve at a different kind of level. Maybe not higher, maybe not lower, just different. And so attacking those things and having the perspective of a coach that is sort of – that has the strategic oversight to be able to push you in that direction, and you have got some really interesting perspective shifts that I love. So I'll let you comment on that and just kind of fanboy. Well, yeah, you're good, man. I, I love having conversations like this. This is actually probably the most valuable thing I find in life is having valuable conversations uh, where two people have different perspectives on things uh, where whenever you have that conversation, uh, both may gain 
uh, deeper understanding, which they can then share, right? Like this is how you build coaches. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take it and simplify it. I, as a parent, I could have told and taught everything about riding a bicycle to my kid, right? That's a bike. That's what it looks like. You have to use your legs to pedal it. You have to balance it and you have to steer it with your hands and give all the mechanical teaching behind riding a bike and then say, go out there and hop on that bike and go. And it wouldn't make it very far, right? And bam, they're over on the side of the ground. Where the coach comes in is when the coach comes out there and actually grabs the back of the seat and the handlebar with you and he's right beside you. He's right beside you. Okay, now push, push, push. All right, balance, balance, steer. Okay, and now I'm going to let go of the handlebar, but I got seat still. You're good. You're good. We're okay. That's a coach. And that's a simplified version of that. They're there to walk alongside of you. And when the strategy isn't working or you're um, running into obstacles, they have various different strategies to help you get through that based on their experience that you don't have yet. They have knowledge you do not have yet that they can help you make those agile decisions to propel you forward. Um, a lot of it has a lot to do with the skills and talents of the person you're working with. Not everybody is the same. Uh, the coach that works with Tom Brady on his nutrition is working differently with his nutrition than he is with Tiger Woods' nutrition. They have different body makeups and different um, uh, physiologies that different things are going to work for one that's not going to work for the other. Um, having a broad base of experience is valuable. I mean, it's one of the best things that ever happened for me working at Acculinks and being their director of sales for the first five years. I got to go in the back office of a thousand different contractors. I saw any way and every way you could do this business. A lot of it wasn't so hot, but there was a lot of really good stuff that I went, wow, I hadn't even thought of that yet. And so that's, that's the value of having a coach is they've been down the road quite a few more times and they know how to tailor what it is that's custom to your strengths uh, and your weaknesses. That's what I want to get into. You know what I mean? Like if we can dig into that, and I'm going to really mess this up. So everyone, please forgive me. But the one that you have. You're good. Hi, Donna. Hi. Is that better? I think The so. great thing is I think we're recording it. It's not live, so you can cut it out if you want. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's yeah, we are recording it. It's not live. <laughs> we're not comfortable with live just yet. Yeah. We've kicked around the idea. Like um I want to go live. Oh, live is fun, man. My other two people have absolutely vetoed me on the whole live yeah, approach. We're supposed to go live tonight. Oh, but live is awesome. But it's been vetoed. Oh, it has? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I am the only one that wants to do it. Everybody else doesn't want to. Oh, I was willing to try it. <laughs> but, uh, Thank you, Brent. <laughs> so uh, my uh, my co-host on the Rumble, I mean, we, we, we talked a little bit about going live today. And I just like, I'm, okay. I mean, I, I, I would love to. I just, right now, our technology is a little... <clears throat> Suspect, Catchy. I would say, and until I know that that thing is going to stand up, that's that's where I'm nervous. But I what I what I was wanting to what I was wanting to get into is you said I want you. I mean, one of the things that you do with somebody, I guess, at their initial at your initial conversation with them is I want you to imagine what you want your life to look like and what 
okay, so I'm I'm messing this up. Or it's like no, you're good. You're talking about the what we call the dream exercise. Yeah, the dream um, exercise. So it just I mean, briefly unpack that a little bit. And if you want more coaching, call Jim. You know what I'm saying? So we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna get into all of it today. It's just kind of an idea that I just kind of want I want to share with people. Well, you think about it. Most of us, when we start something, it's it tends to be either out of uh, an impulsive, motivated type of situation like, hey, I want to go do that. And you don't really put a whole lot of thought into it sometimes. Or it's a money motivated thing. Like, I'm going to go do that to go make some money without ever really thinking how it's going to play out over time. Like, what is that thing going to be in it at the end? It's one of the best pieces of coaching I ever got is to start you know, envision what the thing is going to look like at the end, whatever it is you're doing, whether it's your life, your business, your family, uh, your spirituality, all those things. Like, what does what does that look like in the end? And um, so many of us are taught about this um, concept of starting with our why or our purpose, this passion, whatever this thing is that's why you exist out there. And I think that's great. I really do. I think it's an important piece of what we do as human beings and what we do in our businesses as well. But if we don't understand our own identity first, um, that why could be the wrong why. And you see it happen over and over, especially if you're a person that you tend to do something for three to six years before you move on to the next thing, three to six years, move on to the next thing, three to six years, move on to the next thing. You were motivated and you were probably even driven if you lasted that long, but it didn't align with your identity. At some point you felt unfulfilled by it because you had either accomplished everything you needed to accomplish in it, or you had achieved some goal that you were after. And now it wasn't as interesting anymore wasn't as fun anymore. And that's because your why, the thing you were chasing, wasn't aligned with who you are and the life that you want to live. And so we help contractors get that figured out through a thing we call the, the dream exercise, where the first thing is we ask somebody is, who were you intended to be? What are you doing whenever you have the most joy? Regardless of money, take money out of the equation. That's not part of the question. What are you doing? Um, and, and this all came from my grandfather. I talked about that at the event. Um, he asked me what I wanted to be uh, after I resigned from Aculinx as uh, director of sales. And I said, you know, I want to be a basketball coach. And he asked me, like, well, is it the basketball or the coaching? And I had to really think about that. Was it the actual sport, like that thing? like bas- And I love basketball. Don't get me wrong. I played at a pretty high level, really enjoy it. I, lo- I actually love it more than baseball, which I was better at because of the dynamics of the sport. But the reality was it was the coaching because I did it for free. I don't care if they're little kids all the way up to college age, sometimes paid, sometimes not. I've coached salespeople. I've coached business leaders. And I just love it. I would do it for free. As a matter of fact, I just got done doing it for free for a really good friend of mine because I love it that much and I love him that much. Mm-hmm. That's my identity. My identity is somebody that wants to help other people achieve their potential through good coaching. Now, how do I build a business around that? How do I build the lifestyle that I want around that? And we go through this exercise with people to help them get there. Because once we're there, then we can go and chase the why. Now, why am I doing this coaching, right? What purpose does it serve? What impact will it have? And uh, for the longest time, I thought my coaching was going to become something else. And it may. I still am not 100% sure on that. 
Um, but I thought, you know, I would probably go more into, you know, coaching uh, youth is really kind of where I thought I was headed, um, teaching kids about entrepreneurship and and faith uh, at some point in my life. But God's put me here in an industry where God isn't always all that present sometimes, and uh, I think he wants to be. Uh, and it happened, um, I went to an event three and a half years ago, well, three and a little, three and a quarter years ago. Um, and this event, there was a lot of people talking about God. It was, I was surprised and I'd been being nudged about it for quite a while. And, uh, I was also there to talk about that and I got done and I said, I hey, there was a lot of people that were actually looked like they were starving for this. They wanted it. They wanted to talk more about it. And I uh, started this group called Contractor Fellowship. All are welcome. Uh, we do a men's group deal on 7.30 on Wednesday mornings where we meet with contractors, vendors, and industry uh, folks. And we talk about God in our lives. It's not a Bible study. It's just think of it as kind of like a support group of how do we bring God into our lives and into our businesses and do it in a way that doesn't come across as disingenuous. How is it real? How is it authentic in our world? Um, and why would we want to in the first place? That was one of those things I've been praying about for a long time. I'm like, do I want to start this group? Went to that event. There was a need for it. Started the group knowing that it doesn't end. That's like getting married. You know, you start a podcast, start a, like a, a, a small group or something like that. It's that's not an end. It doesn't have an end point. So you have to be really committed. It's part of my identity. I'm a coach. It's who I am. So that allows me to do my why, which is to empower people to believe. That's why I exist. That's why I walk this planet. I want to empower others to believe that they can create the business and the lifestyle they want. I want them to believe and trust us as their guides to do that. And who knows? If the conversation comes up and they notice the actions and who we are, they might want to talk a little bit about this whole Jesus thing and salvation and, and how cool God is as a father. If that opportunity comes up, we'll talk about it. If it doesn't, that's okay too. I find that in my brief history of coaching, by and large, people think that there's something that I know that they don't, that I am going to magically tell them and it's going to solve all of their problems. And it's, it's called the one pill method. You know what I mean? Or the one pill. Silver period. bullet. Yeah. Like, can you give me that? You know, can I lose 600 pounds just by taking one pill a day? Or can I can I achieve this by just doing this one thing? Whether it's, I, I don't know, whatever simple, menial, insignificant task that creates this, this windfall of results. Do you, do you, you know what I mean? And, and I find so much of it, like when, when you were at the event on the third, kind of where you opened up, and I was like, it's not what he knows that I need. It's what I already have that I don't realize. And making somebody realize that they possess the very thing that they need to be successful from within them, it's just hidden from from them at some point and the exploration needed to bring out that given talent that they have, because I believe at some level we're all equipped with that gift that allows us to 
achieve greatness. Now, the one thing that I have said a lot of times, God never called me to be successful. He did call me to be great. And so realizing, realizing that greatness is the goal, that is a measure that is delivered by God and not by man. And so I, and not to get too philosophical or even preachy at this point in time, I realized that the equipment that I have been given, either through my raising, through my exposure to other teachers and other thought patterns, is, is, is probably the most valuable thing that, that I utilize, is just the experiential knowledge of what it's like to trip through this planet. You know, and and how, and how we, I mean, because it, look, it's all a controlled fall, right? And so, um, I, I I do I do the best I can with what I have in front of me, and um, I used to do this talk on on the what what is very familiar to a lot of people called it's called the parable of the talents, and I can and I can and I can tailor it so that it's not an over religious experience here but the idea behind equipping you know one guy got a lot of money one guy got a little money and one guy got almost no money and my argument here is is they were equipped with what they needed to achieve the task and the guy that got less already had so much ability to do to produce the same level of results with the lesser amount and so because it says they were given they were given based on their own ability based on what they needed and and i think that that is a i mean that's just my perspective on it and so when i look at finding things within me that already exist and i think that that was the main thing that i drew from what you said even the evening that i got to hear you speak so yeah, I first off, uh, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, we are imbued with our own gifts, talents, um, uh, that uh, our nature. Uh, they are a, a blessing given to us that um, we can use to achieve. I think what God's purpose is for us on this planet. While I'm not sure that's greatness necessarily for me, um, I, I, if it is, wonderful. If it's not, I'm okay with that too. Um, I try to stay humble in all this that I'm just another man like anybody else walking this planet that I have a, I have a job to do. Um, and I do it as well as I possibly can. Now, don't sell yourself short though, Jeremy. You do have knowledge. You do have knowledge that other people need and they are lacking. Those are the skills. And like anything else, to become great at something takes hard work. To do anything good takes hard work. That's why we don't see as much good maybe as we would like because there's hard work behind it. Um, Which if you don't know your identity, which would then not tell you why you're doing what you're doing, tend to go through the motions and when we hit obstacles and challenges and stuff like that um we're a little less lucky likely to run through them jump over them run around them do whatever we've got to do to get through them um it is the most disheartening thing for me is to go and speak in front of a bunch of people and ask them why they exist and no one knows very few it's rare rare for some I this is why I'm here and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um right. how much peace does that give somebody though when they know that? Like that's the thing. Like how much peace do you have whenever you go, okay, I know who I am. 
and I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. I don't need any kind of verification from the outside world, whether that is worthy or not. It's who I am. Um, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I really don't. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, if I lived by that, I would live in a constant state of trying to be something that I'm not. Um, and I, I lived like that for a long time. Um, I know who I am now. I live to be that person and, uh, it makes it pretty simple for me. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to always be successful. That doesn't mean I'm gonna, not going to go through hard times. It doesn't mean that there aren't going to be things out there I can't control. That's one of those things that drives me crazy too. Like Nathan, you haven't met Nathan yet, but he's kind of my right-hand man here. Um, he and I have really deep uh, philosophical talks. And we hear all the time, well, the only person that can control uh, your situation is you, which true, only person that can, but things happen. Things happen that are beyond your control. And yes, you can handle the way you react to them, but you can't control them necessarily. Um, you know, they say, Hey, all the decisions you make are the person you become. All the decisions you make have led you to this place that you are today. Okay. So you get struck with, um, um, ALS today. Did you make that decision? No. You made all the right decisions. You did everything right. You did everything as well as you could possibly do it, and you get ALS. Now, you have a decision of what to do with that, obviously, but, boy, did that take you off your track. And it really frustrates me that people get caught with that um, because sometimes people things just get in the way of people. And I have never walked in their shoes before, so I have one simple job, whatever their situation, try to understand them a little better and try to love them. Makes things pretty easy. Well, yeah, as long as you're dealing with people that have that perspective. Do you, 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 <laughs> Most don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, as long as you're dealing with people. I mean, for example, this is what I, I mean, even to get into sort of the reason people might call you or the reason people might call me. And I talked about the silver bullet thing because I'm going to possess some kind of information that is going to catapult them into some level of success that they've dreamed about. The, the real the real thing is, is that. I don't I don't I don't know what that thing is that you need. I I really don't. I'm going to have to have a conversation with you and and as as choices may define destiny at a level, you know what I mean? If choices define destiny, um you know where we have those choices, those thoughtful decisions and and sometimes choices are as simple as I would rather have water over a coke or sometimes those choices are as pivotal as do I leave Aculinx to go do something else? You know what I mean? Like I, at this point in time, that was was another one of those prayerful moments. I'm living at the top of the totem pole. I'm living at the top of the totem pole. Why, why would I want to change that sort of situation? Well, it goes back to the very first thing that you said. Now, as long as I can sustain, you know, my well being, I, I, I would teach or coach or speak or whatever to impart sort of whether it's not just knowledge but sometimes it's an exhortation sometimes it's just encouragement sometimes it is nothing more than the edification of people to make them believe in themselves and if that is, i mean there's no new information there other than maybe they've never heard it 
you know, throughout their life, if I could just go do that and everything be okay, every bill get paid, every hamburger get cut diagonally, you know, everything and all of those things that would not require necessarily my 100% stewardship over said thing, if I could just go do that, I would be, I would, I, I believe that I would be happy because that's why I believe I was here, is to communicate and and impart the knowledge that has been given to me, the the knowledge that I have that I have gathered up. And sometimes I find so many people think that money is the thing that fixes it. Money is the thing that will make me happy. When really and truly, it's not so much the money. Even though a lot of people are depending on me making money, but what it doesn't really have anything to do with why I think I'm here. This is money. Yeah, a lot of people come to us with this. Uh, first off, I don't think a lot of people know what we do. Um, they, they, they get the basic concept. You coach contractors, right? But what does that look like? What, what does that mean? Um, and we take a holistic approach to what we do. We don't, we're not just looking at the, a piece of the business like marketing or sales or recruiting or any other finance, whatever, right? We're looking at the whole entire business holistically, there's 12 components of it. And so that's the business part of it. But we're also looking at the human being, and that's who we really coach. We coach the human beings to facilitate running their business based off of these 12 components to take advantage of their unique gifts and talents and apply it to this framework that we teach and coach. And uh, we, we help them build a mission, like, hey, we're going to do this thing in the next year. And then we give them a tool to manage that and guide them along their path and fill in all the gaps as we go through weekly meetings uh, where we meet with them online, just like I'm meeting with you today. Uh, We both walk away with tasks that need to be done for the upcoming week, and we hold each other accountable to getting them done. We make progress very fast. We have amazing results. But most people come to us to build a big business. And we do. We build big businesses. It's crazy how many of those that we've built and helped these guys achieve, and gals too. Um, But that's not what we do. We help people get clear on the type of business they need to live the lifestyle they want to be who they are. And sometimes that isn't a big business. One of my best experiences is working with a contractor that was doing about $350,000 and he comes in and he's like, hey, I want to build this big business. I'm like, great. I'm like, what do you want it for? What are you trying to do? I want to make this money. Well, what do you want to do with the money? And we like keep digging in. What he really wanted was a lifestyle that afforded him the opportunity to spend a little more time with his wife, put a certain amount of money back in a certain amount of time. And we ascertained that the size of business he needed to build to get to that was just a $3.5 million business. Very lean, clean easy, afforded time to go and coach his kids and spend time with his wife and go on vacations. Because you want to build a $100 million business? Guess what? It's got a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of sacrifice of some of those other areas um, to achieve that thing. And there's nothing wrong with building those type of businesses as long as it's fulfilling who you are. It's I, pretty wild what we do. So I, I, I would love to go out there and give the hypey message. We build big businesses. Like that would right, be awesome. Right, 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 Everybody right. would want to follow us and that would be great. But that's not necessarily what we really do. It's so funny how many people don't really want that at all. You know, the, 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 they, they, they want well, they it. They think they do. 
they think they do because that's what makes them look like they've they've arrived to everybody else. You know, um, I and Donna, I, I really kind of want you to get on the microphone here and kind of not back me up, but give a perspective here. One of the things that Don and I realized when we swung the doors on Remedy Claims Consulting, which was pretty much driven by the pandemic, it, am I wrong there? I mean, we kind of knew that I was going to be self-employed, but whether or not we were going to launch out into a business was pretty much driven by I mean, the losing my job. <laughs> well, yeah, she lost her job at the very beginning of the pandemic, and so we just decided, hey, let's go ahead and brand this thing and push forward on it or whatever. And... It became this all-consuming, screaming baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying? You know, and, and it's like, yeah. and it's like, well, you know, I'm sorry, everybody else. We can't eat today because the baby's hungry. Yeah, we were fighting over the baby. <laughs> you know, it can't, we, our, our, our marriage was challenged over the baby. Um, our, you know, even the most basic thing of what we like about each other, just that one, that one small little bitty microcosmic sort of thing of the reason why we're at this place where it's this huge explosion of a business. We've come down this road to this point that we believe that we can. And now, now that very thing that seems to link us together and hold us together is being challenged at the most fundamental of levels. Do you know what you get? And, and we, yeah, think, that's it's because our business has a DNA just like a baby does. And most of us don't understand the structure of that DNA or the components of it. And really most importantly, the sequence of it. Um, that was the thing. It was a big epiphany after I coached for about three years is that there was an order to this. And most people came to us for the last thing, teach us how to scale our business by helping us recruit and hire more people. And I can certainly do that. I'm really good at recruiting and hiring tons of people, and I can teach anybody and everybody how to do it. It's not rocket science. But if you hire them, how are you going to train them? Right. Like train them quickly and exactly. up to speed and effectively so they're earning money quickly. And then before that, how are you going to produce everything that you hired all these people for? And before that, how are you going to sell it specifically that's unique and proprietary that provides value to it so you're not a commodity? And how are you going to generate the leads to make all those sales? And it all works back upon itself to the very beginning. Are you a qualified leader with the skills and capacity to lead this thing that you actually want to build? Because if you don't get that down, the rest of it creates an ugly baby. <laughs> that is one ugly baby. Yeah. <laughs> so not to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Um, <laughs> there we go. I was wondering when that was coming. <laughs> well, because then all you have is a very wet, critically injured baby. Um so I, what, what I'm saying here is so much of the coaching that I see in here is all on business development or marketing based. And the thing that I was screaming for was infrastructure and how do I establish infrastructure with two people? We were, we're, I mean, I'm telling you right now, sitting right here, I am deathly afraid of hiring anybody because of the commitment that comes with that. What I'm asking people when I say, hey, why don't you come to work for me? Really what I'm saying is, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't you put all of your security and your family's well-being and their hopes and dreams of achieving what they want in this life in my hands? Put them right here because you can trust me. And so because of that, because of that weighted thing, I have been very slow to 
to, you know, jump into a place where I'm e- either offering them a salary or trying to guarantee or not maybe not guarantee, but try to communicate, hey, this is a great place to set down roots and your dreams will be achieved by walking down this path with us. That is the thing that has scared the living daylights out of me since, in, since any business I've ever run or operated. I wish it scared more people. That, that tells me a little bit about who you are as a human being, that you actually take this serious. Uh, it's a business. We take on a lot of responsibility whenever we have folks working for us, not just them, but their spouses, their families. Um, they're all relying on us to provide them with the tools, the knowledge, the experience, the training that they need to be successful. And uh, in order to hire people well, you're going to need to create great job descriptions that make things clear that set expectations and set standards for the amount of production and performance and core values that you expect out of your people. You can start small with the first few people without a whole lot of that because it's usually going to be your friends and family is who you involve in in your business and you have a unique relationship where you kind of know each other. But as soon as you get outside of that, things better be very clear because if you're exchanging information verbally about, Hey, this is the way things go. This is the way things work. This is the way it's going to be. Uh, this is what we expect. And off down the road you go six months later down the road, they're doing something that you didn't really want them to do. And then you call it out and they go, well, you didn't say that. (laughs) And now you have drama and drama is a virus to your business and will kill your baby. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll kill the baby. Yes. Yep. <laughs> the Every time we've hired somebody, it hasn't been because we went out and said we're we're hiring. It's be- people came to us and said, "Are you hiring?" And we're like, "Sure." You know. We made a hire one time. That's a be- sign of a great culture. It's a sign that you've built something they want to be a part of. Here, we have never run an ad for an employee. Uh, we've got 15 people now. Every single one has come to us asking us, "Hey, how do I get involved?" That's a sign of a great culture. That's the thing I'm most proud about of all the things that we've done is that the talent that we have here is off of the charts. Unbelievable uh, coaches. And uh, I didn't do it <laughs> at all. I was just God getting involved and saying, hey, uh, this is how I need you to do things. Well, one of the biggest things that I've seen is is that I, I honestly have made hires in hopes that I can, like one of the hires that we made, my intention was to change their trajectory in life. I, I mean, for lack of a better term, really wanted to change their stars, so to speak. Their situation. Their situation, complete situation. And, and, and my heart was to do everything I could, but I could not get this individual off of the circumstance that they were in. I couldn't get them to see beyond the circumstance. Oh, no, that's not something I can do because I have to do this. This individual was settling for less of a resource because of the availability of said resource. They didn't have any other recourse but other than to do it themselves because um, let's say it's mowing the lawn. I mow my own lawn, and I can't work for you on Tuesdays because Tuesday is the day I mow my lawn. Well, if you would show up on Tuesday, the cost of mowing your lawn will be covered and you don't have to mow the lawn anymore. 
And all we have to do is focus in. And if you can learn this skill set that I am more than willing to teach you at no cost, that whether you stay with me or not, you get to take the skill set with you when you walk out the door. You'll never have to mow your lawn again. And that's what I was didn't fit their identity. It just didn't didn't fit their identity. And you talk they were more comfortable staying where they were. And I struck out at the plate, Jim. I mean, just hey, we all, we've all been there. Every one of us have done that. We, we all make bad hires. And um, that's why the very first thing I focus on is mindset. Whenever I'm hiring somebody like this, you got to make a shift in your mindset. If you're going to come to work for Jim Johnson. And, uh, and if that's not where it needs to be, I'm probably not going to bring that person on. And I've made my mistakes here. We've brought people on that said, Hey, I want to be a part of your thing. And I didn't do enough due diligence work to make sure that they fit our culture as well. And that's the number one thing that will get you out of our business. If you don't fit culture, uh, we're not going to sacrifice that for anything. Right. Right. And, and I have seen a lot of really toxic cultures and I'm talking cultures that, that profess to be one thing. And then in turn turned out to be something completely different. Um, I have created toxic cultures not 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 intentionally, but I have created them. And when I realized and 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 even in the bad hire that I was referring to, to the guy that didn't that, that was mowing his own lawn, um, even in that sort of situation, I was I, I when they when they departed our company, so to speak, I still felt a level of guilt that I had wasted so so much of their time. Yeah, for even trying. <laughs> that I brought them into this only to be disappointed and even further dismayed and disheartened. I internally I'm going to guess that you didn't like have their arm tied behind their back and forcing them to do anything. I did not know. No. But I was very they, they don't have anything to feel guilty for. I was you tried, they tried. You learned something, they learned something. Well, the thing was they didn't That's understand okay. the job. <laughs> That was the main. Well, I mean, and and I and I was probably a little arrogant in thinking that I could communicate the the intricacies of this job. You know, it's like explaining someone explaining to someone how to play a video game or how to play a musical instrument. Well, if you're going to play piano, what you do is your left hand is more of the bass line and it's going to be chord driven, whereas your right hand is going to deliver the melody and the thing. If they have no context of what's a hand, yeah, I'm like what. <laughs> the what and the what? Especially the what? me, because I like Mister no, no musical talent on this planet. Um, I, I can remember my fifth grade music teacher going, "All right, you're playing the triangle. You go over there. You go play the triangle. That's that's the extent of your talent." And that noise isolation closet over there, please. Thank you. Yes, that one. Yeah, <laughs> a little further back. There you go. Um, no, I and, and Jim, I as we as I could sit here and unpack this thing for hours and hours and hours and hours, and I am not going to sit here and monopolize that because there are so many people that need what you're doing, and so. How what is what does the process look like to involve? Is it contractors only? Will you help any entrepreneur? What kind of tell me a little bit about how we get in touch and how we, you know, get the contractor coach on our team? So, well, um, the name of the company is Contractor Coach Pro. So obviously, our focus is what we call high ticket home service contractors. 
And what I mean by that is um, they're they're pretty specific, and I don't see anybody really call them out because you kind of lump all contractors together. Contractor, right? Um, and then so you'll hear some people call specialty trade or home service contractor, but even those, there's a there's a uniqueness to a certain group that they generate opportunities through lead generation. They give an estimate, do a presentation demo, provide the service, and get paid. And they're done. It's a high-ticket thing. They installed a pool. They got a epoxy floor in their garage. They had a paint job done to their home. They had a roof put on. They had siding put on. But it's kind of a one-time thing. There's not all this service stuff and service calls and like an AC and heating and air. That's not our guys. That's a different group of people. Um, but if you fit that, um, that's our ideal client. And really, no matter the size, because we have uh, programs for startups to those guys going from six figures to seven, and then the guys that are going from three to ten, and then ten and beyond. We have programs for each one of those because they all have different obstacles and challenges that they're dealing with. With all of that said, there has been this unique thing where uh, a lot of vendor partners – Others that are trying to get into coaching, um, they have reached out to us and said, hey, it looks like what you're doing is something that I would like to do or you could help me. And we have helped them. It's just not what we brand our company after. Because this approach to this blueprint of our business and this mission coaches coaching uh, focus uh, methodology that we have um, applies to any entrepreneur. It's not It's not unique. Um we just happen to talk to a lot of contractors because that's our language. Now, we found that a lot of other vendors, we speak their language too because they're in our world and in our industry. Uh, the coaches is a new thing. Like that's been coming like to us, which has been strange. Uh, but uh, we're here to help anybody, uh, really and truthfully. Like we, we're asked, we give. That's kind of what it comes down to. And to do that, it um, can go a couple different ways. Best way, go to contractorcoachpro.com. And on that first page, the home page, if you look on it, there'll be a button that says take assessment or take contractor assessment. Take that assessment. It's going to tell us and give us some real insight into your It's not a joke. It's not this three-minute thing answer a few questions. It's 15, 20 minutes. You're going to get it all answered. We're going to have a really good idea of who you are, what you're about, what your skills and strengths and, and weaknesses are. And then we're going to do a free coaching call. It doesn't cost you a penny. Um, and it is truly a coaching call. It is not a sales pitch. If at the end of that call you go, coaching's pretty cool, I want to work with you guys, great. That's awesome. If it's not for you and it doesn't fit for you at that point in time, at least we gave you two or three things that you could do right away to propel your business forward. That's one of the ways we serve, and it works really well. And we've done that with contractors. We've done that with other vendor partners. We've done that with a variety of different entrepreneurs. I mean, I helped a, a bicycle shop, which is the wildest thing, Like, because I was into cycling, and they were like, what do you do? And we got in a conversation, like, can you help me? I said, sure, and we did, and they did very well. That's <clears> – well, if, if, if you're looking for coaching – and you're a contractor or cycling, whatever the case may be. Um, 
Let's stick with contractor or industry vendor. Like we, we tend to work with a lot of those guys too. We want to set up, we want to set up a, you know, a, a demographic, so to speak, as, as the direction that we're headed. I help a lot of public adjusters across the nation. Obviously, Jim is, is, is reaching out to contractors all over the nation as well and trying to provide them with the insight to take them where they want to go. You know, and and Jim, I can't say how much I appreciate your dedication, your sacrifice required to get you to this point. Um, I, I, it is it is an honor, honestly, to be able to sit here and speak with you and hear kind of where you're coming from. And I always I always want to judge the fruit. You know what I'm saying? And and the fruit of what you are doing on a regular basis, both time and time again. I mean, you have found your spot at the top of multiple totem poles. And so the proof is certainly there. Um, your approach to things. Always be careful of that. Always <laughs> be careful of that. The second you put yourself on the, as you put it, top of that totem pole or on the pedestal, as we call it, that's when you know it's over. That's when you know, well, um, <laughs> I, I, this really applies to sales guys. Like they achieve top sales and they consistently do it. Um, as soon as they start to go, yeah, I'm number one. I'm awesome. And they're celebrating all the time. And they like, you can guarantee you they're done. There's nothing else um, to so work for. Keep that humility. <laughs> well, and I, and, and that's I, that's a piece of advice I got to learn. Well, and, and the other thing, kind of the theme of something that I have, that, that I hear you say is let's be involved in a vision and not so much in a goal. Because once we achieve the goal, then where do we go? But the vision exists at a level in perpetuity. And so let's keep, let's keep well, pursuing. Well, so many people think they're after some kind of destination, like they're going to reach this thing. And when they reach that thing, everything is going to be wonderful. And that's not the way it works. Um, you're on a journey. Enjoy every day of it. Um, and, and we're going to reach some destinations or goals along the way, but it's not over. You don't just go, hey, all right, I got everything I need. I'm going to go kick back on a yacht in the ocean somewhere. Um, I don't see many people do that, and I don't see many people being very impactful or remembered in a positive light that do do that. Um, when we die, nobody goes, man, that dude made a lot of money. Nobody says that. <laughs> right. Right. Well, guys. They say that dude owes me money. <laughs> <laughs> they just, yeah, that could happen for sure. <laughs> I, I, I can go to sleep peacefully with that one. So I'm, I'm good there. Um, I, I, I would just want him to say, I, I just want him to say he served me well. That's all I really care about. Well, and, and, it, and it's apparent that it has. You know, um, I have seen a whole lot of preach and very little practice in my, t in my tenure. And it is really nice to see a whole lot of practice and very little preach come out of you. And so I, 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 I would recommend to anybody, even though I haven't done the one hour coaching, I would do the one hour coaching just to help you help you solidify what your goals are and at a bare minimum, understand what it is that your goals are. And then the difference between your goals and what your overall vision is. And, and it will help you apprehend the vision because when we begin to, when we begin to operate within our vision, rather than trying to achieve a goal, we, we, we become more purposeful because we are trying to establish um, the things that are right in this world, by and large. And I know that seems a bit um, 
you know, I, I, you know, that's probably out there in the ethos and it's a bit, it's a bit, um, I can't remember the word that I was trying to do ethereal. That'd be a fun conversation. That would be a fun conversation. Um, what is right when it comes to an insurance claim? Right. And so I, and, and, and I would love to, at some point in time, have you back on and let's, and let's unpack that for sure. But guys, uh, contractor coach pro Dot com is where you can find him. I encourage you to reach out to this organization and find all of the help that you need. Jim, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, it is it is always a treat to get to talk to you. Uh, please forgive my my nervousness a little bit about <laughs> about talking with you. I was I've been he's looking, in the presence of greatness. I, I'm I, you know no, it's not bad. No, no, not at all. I, like I said, man, I'm just another guy walking on this planet, just like anybody else. I'm I'm not anything special. Um, it's just I have a talent in a particular area. The, um, the other thing, like if people want some free, like, hey, I want to go see some stuff on this guy, uh, YouTube channel, the Contractor Coach Pro. We got all kinds of hours of content YouTube. on there. Guys, yes, check that out. And both on his channel and our channel, if you like what you're hearing, we, we ask that you click the like and subscribe. And don't forget to hit the bell so that you get notifications. And if you found this useful or you know of somebody that, that could use this information, please take some time and share it with that individual or in your social media outlets. As always, Jim. Again, thank you so very much for spending some time with us and uh, enlightening each and every one of us. We appreciate it. Honored to do so, man. Fun hanging out. I really enjoy the conversation. And guys, um, we'll be back soon. And, uh, and so stay tuned for all of the really cool things that we've got coming up. And we will see you on the next one. Mm-hmm.